Thanks for downloading the Azarin podcast. I'd just like to issue a content warning. There is swearing in this episode. So if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, maybe just be aware. If you are in an office environment, maybe pop on your headphones. And if you have any feedback or questions, uh, you can get in touch with us. Details are at ozarin.com. Thanks. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Ozarin podcast. It's episode 10. Episode 10. We're finally there. It's the, the centenary. Double digits. We it. Not the centenary. It's the 10th episode. I'm for- the, the decentenary? It's the 10th episode. We'll, it's the 10th we'll, yes. episode. Yeah. Um, Don't make up words. My name's Dave. I'm introducing the podcast this time because Bryce said he didn't want to. Yeah. Because he's been hogging it. I've been hogging the intro. He's, the volume light's too harsh for him, so somebody else has to take that on. I'm going to carry that weight like Spike did in Cowboy Bebop when he got shot. You're going to carry it. <clears throat> did um, he get shot? I don't know. Yeah, he did, but you, spoilers. I don't he gets shot all the time, though. Yeah, he does. Didn't, didn't oh, say he man, died. Oh, man, that show is way too old yeah. for, like, spoiler alerts. Come on. Well, it's well, 1998, I think. Yeah. yeah. Did you also Darth Vader Luke Skywalker's father? <gasps> what? Oh, my God. Hey, hey Liam. You ruined the whole Liam, thing Liam, for me. Liam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here, too, as well. Um, <laughs> yes. And so is Ashley. Yeah. Hi. Is this the first podcast we've all been on? Yes. Yeah, all mm-hmm. four of us. I want to say yes. Yeah, I, I think, think so, so, yeah. Yeah, because I think the first time we did four people on the podcast was with Tom. Was with Tom, yeah, last week. So this is a, this is the Tom's dead now. Yeah, we took him out back. <laughs> we had to kill him. It's like old him. yellow. Um, it, it's funny because he's got blonde hair. So yeah, old yellow. It's too good at darts. <laughs> too good at darts. Burned too bright. We had to put a bullet in him. He, he got he got so many bully trophies from Bullseye. He, he you got, got your darts. You got, you got darts. your bully. You got your bully. You get to take the cash home. That reference is going to be lost on anyone that didn't grow up in the early 90s with It'll be fine. British television. The meta is to be from the Lovians. We watched Bullseye when we went to Expo. We watched yeah. it every single night and it was great. It was good. It was so much fun because it's like Bullseye's the comfiest quiz show I've ever seen. But, uh, we're, we're now, trialing... do you feel that you guys would be a good team on Bullseye though? No, because we're both too good at darts and shit at trivia. Yeah. Oh, the, the come on, one of you have to bump no, it up. The way like, you have to study. do it. Yeah, one of you has to be good at trivia, the other has to be good at darts. But the catch is, you both have to be fairly good at darts, because yeah. at the end, you both have to play yeah. darts. They'll switch you So, you're that fucked team, if, Yeah, that's what fucked them. They were amazing the at Logan. trivia and amazing at darts. And at the end, the guy who did trivia had to play darts and fucked it. <laughs> now, and so they lost. They lost everything. They my gambled My thing it. about like, Bullseye, right, was you would watch the old episodes... And it was great, like great show. But what happens when you come for like a council estate in Glasgow and you want a like a boat that you have to share <laughs> up in Glasgow? Like, you can take what up the, the fuck are you supposed to do with a boat? Just sell it and buy some meth. Uh, what, <laughs> now, what are you gonna do with this boat? I'm gonna fucking shell it up the Clyde, man. Be fucking yaldy, man. At the risk of talking about bullseye too much, my favourite thing. Was, um, one of the questions was, it's one of the categories on bullseye is faces, and what they do oh, is <laughs> one of the faces they show you a picture of somebody and they go. Who is this? It's usually a sports personality. Yeah. Normally. But this time, this time the person was Mel Gibson. <laughs> and they put up his face and they were like, who is this? And some, some guy's like, eh, I think that's Mel Gibson. And it's like, correct. It was it was a lot fun at the time because like, we were, every episode up until then, it was like, it was somebody weird and obscure, like some sports personality of the mid 80s or late like 80s. Somebody who got like gold like 10 years before in one of the Olympics. <laughs> and this time it was just Mel Gibson. <laughs> and welcome to the Bullseye Podcast. <laughs> yep. Um, Video games weren't cutting it. 90s darts television is where it's at. The guys I'd sold like to make a shout out for Borland's darts and television on Leithwark as well, if I can. It's a great <laughs> show. You it get your television it. for watching darts. You get your darts for playing darts. What more do you need? It's shout one of those uh, shops that are just that don't exist anymore in most cases. No, they exist. They're still there. 
Well, I, yeah, you on, wouldn't on get them walk in Easter Road. Yeah, only on Leaf Walk. <laughs> right, Is let, it front though? Let's let's move Maybe. on. <laughs> no. So <laughs> let let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, all right. Sure. Um, to anything. I believe what's, what's in the news? What's been in the news? You want to leave some news? It's about Final Fantasy 15, but nothing, nothing about the game specifically, um, because obviously like, it's, people are still processing Some people the game. will be triggered. We all have thoughts about the game, which we will discuss at a later date. Um, we'll have an episode where we're all going to sit down and, and, and thrash out yeah. our opinions about this game. We discussed it. We want to be like <clears throat> at least mostly complete. I want to complete it. I want to yeah. complete the story. I want to give it a fair whack. Like yeah. a, f- a fair old shake, as Ra- it were. Rather than rushing through or to do a review based on... A half playthrough. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking some time away from it at the moment. So, um, but we'll see how that turns out. But the story I wanted to bring up is um, the sales for Final Fantasy 15 came in last week. Initial shipments. This is not sales. The shipments. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you. I'm assuming you probably know what the difference is. Shipments includes uh, being sales put, to retail put into stores and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that was five million worldwide within the weekend that was out. Okay. Well, the first couple of days it was out actually. Um, it's five million worldwide. Is that um, good? That's because we it's also the fastest sell in Final Fantasy ever. We also found out the this week that fifty million PlayStation fours have been sold in its lifetime. So that's like what ten percent of the console 10% audience. Uh, PS four owners own Final Fantasy fifteen technically. That's there was quite a high percentage. It sounds like the the stats about Japan were quite interesting. For yeah, me. the stats. About so J- what was it that um, although it didn't sell as well as other Final Fantasies in Japan, it sold more than other PlayStation four games. It is the highest selling Final Fantasy game. In Japan. Oh, right, okay. Uh, no, sorry, that's that's wrong. It's the highest selling PlayStation 4 game yeah. in Japan. It is oh. the lowest selling Final Fantasy game in Japan since Final Fantasy 3. Um, it sold 600,000 copies in its first week, um, which is quite low. Um, Final Fantasy 13, First Perspective, sold 1.3 million copies in its first week. So so that's a, that's a significant drop. So it's really just, it's not representative of the game itself. It's not representative of the game or Final Fantasy market. in general, yeah. yeah. It's the console market, like you say. Um, we've, we can dis- we could discuss the console market in Japan at the cows come home, but like a lot of it comes down to portables and mobiles are very popular in Japan at the moment because uh, obviously there's a big culture of commuting in yep. Japan, especially in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it's centred around like... Mobile games. Mobile game and uh, portable games, stuff like Monster Hunter is very popular over there. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a big concentration of like how much time do you have to play this game rather than like can you sit down at the end of a day and play it because that's not really the focus in Japan it's all about like oh, working right. things into your working life so what's the uh, the portable equivalent is there <clears throat> one of their latest releases is it not like Mobius or Grand uh, Blue Fantasy as well. Grand Blue Fantasy is one of the bigger ones um Grand Blue Fantasy is a mobile RPG. Square are heavy into their mobile game market yeah. as well they have several mobile games out there but the um, Grand get, Blue, sorry, I want to because you can get like most major Final Fantasy games on it now. You can get yeah. like, um, yeah, I think it's like what one to nine, one through nine, yeah, yeah, and then because um, I, I play through six on yeah. on my mobile, um, just just because like you were saying, commuting, it's it's yeah. quite handy to have it there. You get like a uh, tactics as well, tactics, yeah, more of the lines, advance and stuff uh, like that. But uh, no, yeah, you were saying about Grand Blue Fantasy. Grand Blue Fantasy is not Square owned. Um, it is owned. I don't know exactly who owns it. I think it's a mobile company. Um, but it is like extremely popular in Japan because it, it encompasses a lot of elements about Final Fantasy and fantasy games in general, like Dragon Quest and all that kind of thing, and makes it into a mobile title. There is a a microtransaction element to it, mm-hmm. and it works most like m- many mobile games you would expect 
would work like. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it has music by Nobuo Matsu. Mm-hmm. Um, it has extremely good visuals and high, very high production values. The yeah, really we nice. did. The art uh, is lovely. We saw a lot of promo art for it while we were over there. It's a it very was nice everywhere. Yes. And it was very pretty. It drew yeah. me in because it is, you can tell just from looking at the art that it is Final Fantasy, Bravely it's, Default, like that kind of. Uh, yeah, it can compass a lot of like more, like. Not more modern RPGs, but like a, a more modern approach to traditional RPGs. Sure. Um, it's got that really nice sort of look to it. Um, Potentially it, one of the reasons that uh, the game didn't do so well um, by comparison to the older titles is that there is a lot more competition now. It's a much more diluted market for, yeah. for fantasy role-playing games. I mean, obviously you've got stuff like Skyrim, Fallout 4, Witcher, Dragon Age, all that kind of thing. There are many more high-quality competitors, especially... The Witcher Three. Well, the um, ones that you mentioned are all Western titles as well. That's right. Yeah, um, that's not to discount their effect on the East, though. I know that Skyrim is very popular in Japan. Mm. Not Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest popular, but it's gaining popularity because it's very open-ended. You can make your own adventure. Yeah. Whereas the Witchers are more sort of narrow and focused thing. I don't think that's so big in Japan. Yeah. I don't know if the novels have been localized over there, for example. Right. Okay. Um, but it's a very sort of focused adventure. And but like you still have choices to make within it. It's all about morality rather than making choices based on what you think a ca- your character should do. The it's best thing about Witcher 3 is the way that it, it is quite focused in its story. But um, like you say, you've got a lot of choice. And it is quite an open world. But the way it funnels you back into stories yeah. and things and it keeps you focused. It's not like Skyrim where um, the game is a distraction to the story. Hmm. No matter what you're doing in The Witcher, The Witcher has a way of guiding you in a way that doesn't feel forced it feels free yeah. <clears throat> and it's amazing and that is I think The Witcher 3 is the greatest example of an RPG that is open but is telling a deep grounded yeah. like focused story absolutely uh, yeah. and it's funny that um, two major uh, eastern forays into sort of like open world RPGs or open world gaming sorry not RPGs that they've kind of fallen a bit flat um, and it's just uh, what would it, I know one of them's probably 15 what's the other one um, MGS5. Oh, of course, yeah. Which is open world in a, in a kind of it's open world. It's it funny, is open it doesn't world. go it's all, all the way game. open world because um, you do have to touch touch base, uh, mother base, and then go out <laughs> to missions and stuff, and it'll kind of drop you in the general area. But then from there, you can go anywhere you want. And it kind of it's weird that they haven't quite gotten the gotten it working as well as yeah i mean they missed the mark in a lot of areas and yeah. again that's something that we can spend a lot of time talking yeah. about and we'll go into well, yeah, more detail you'd want to probably make, maybe go into that into like specific podcasts it's a bit too, i think so yeah yeah too too broad a subject to just discuss in 10 minutes or whatever <laughs> yeah but um that's the the only thing i really want to discuss with 15 there's one last thing i'd like to bring up which is final fantasy sales may be a bit low in japan but that's not affected the dojin market <laughs> um, it's C91, the first big Final Fantasy XV dojins coming out by Butchoyu, or Eraki you might know his name by. And for people who aren't familiar with uh, the term C71... Comiket. Comiket. And uh, that, that is a... It's, well, it's a big dojinshi market, isn't it's it? A, it's, a, it's a big sort of independent comics market. Exactly, Dojinshi yeah. is an independent comics cool. in Japan. Um, and the whole concept of this one, it's called Hammerhead Hooker. But you just <laughs> had to bring up something lewd, didn't you? Yes, I did. Of course. Yeah. Could. That's that's my modus operandi, and I can only imagine that it's something to do with Sydney. How did you guess? Oh, because yeah. it's Hammerhead Hooker. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I'll say about it. And I'm, I'm guessing it's nothing to do with rugby. So. Please, <laughs> please look forward to it. I was hoping it would just 
It's okay. It, like it'll be banned from the internet by then. So. No, absolutely not. Of course right. it won't. Quick That'll seg- just make it more popular. Quick segue to um, more Final Fantasy news. Uh, the director Hajime Tabata. Yes. Uh, wrote a blog post this week. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah, I don't so know how I feel about it either. They it's essentially an apology um, for 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 parts of the game that they feel weren't entirely Polished. hitting the mark. Yeah. yeah. Um, specifically the the thirteenth chapter. See, the thing is, they they they're there. They're saying, "Oh, the thirteenth chapter is the weak point." And I'm like, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go into anything specific. Sure. I haven't reached chapter thirteen. Neither have I. But if Neither chapter thirteen is the weak point, then I'm not looking forward to hitting it because I would say that there's some major issues flaws already. already. Yeah, and there's things like this. Not only that, he said that they're going to release patches, so the patches are going to fix issues with chapter thirteen. Um, there's some other ones, but the, the one that hit me was they're going to add more story to it, and they're going to flesh out the story. And so here's the thing: one of my major gripes with the game to this point has been that the story is a mess. Mm. It's vague, hard to follow. You don't really know what is, what is happening. They don't explain anything. Characters come and go. You don't know who they are. Unless you've seen Kingsglaive, I I can't imagine if you hadn't seen Kingsglaive how you would know what was going on in the Kingsglaive game. Kingsglaive is so essential to this. There is yeah, very little incredible. establishment within yeah. the actual game itself. There's no exposition. If there is exposition, mm. it's bad exposition. Mm. That mm. assumes that you already know a certain amount about the story. So there is like required reading that you're just not given access to. Um, so if they're now going back and going right, well we need to fix the story. Let's go flesh it out. So basically, I'm sitting here. If it gets to the point where they fix the game and it is a great game, they've ruined it for me because I've been looking forward to this game for a long time. Uh, they bring it out and it feels like um, I've sort of gone through it and not really gotten anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, what they've done is if they patch it and flesh out the story and you have to go back and start again and play it to really get the true experience that they want you to have. They've spoiled the game for me. That's the, the way I would see it. So it really depends what they mean by flesh out the story. If they don't flesh out the story, it's bad because the story's a mess. If they do flesh it out, it's bad because I've already played it and I've missed. And it's difficult, that. isn't it? Because like if if um if a director adds scenes to a DVD, you can yeah. you can watch the entire thing again. But this is like what forty plus hour game. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the issue that I had. Like I can already feel myself, and, and I've not finished the game, so this is perhaps not entirely fair. But I can already feel myself. I can say, I can feel myself saying to me. I don't have any desire to play this game anymore. Again, once I've finished it. Here's one. Yeah, um, yeah. We could, if we're going to compare it to films, we could compare it to Advent Children. Because Advent Children <clears throat> wasn't a terrible film when it came out. It's um, kind of terrible. It's, it's terrible. like, there's stuff in there to enjoy, but the actual arc of the story is not great. There's not, it's not clear what's happening. It's, it's fan service. Um, but yeah. Advent Children Complete, while not, Still not like a great film. It's a good, it's much better attempt yeah. to f- patch it's up more the story. Coherent. Yeah, and to provide some context and background for some of the characters and some of the stuff. Um, so, um, but in that case, I still kind of didn't feel like I when I saw Advent Children, I never felt like anything was missing. I was just like, well, it's not a very mm-hmm. good film, but I enjoyed seeing it. I felt mm-hmm. like I got the film. Mm-hmm. In this, it feels like you're playing the game, but the story isn't there, and they're just gonna. Too much of the story is gone. So it'd be like if you um, were watching the film and there was no dialogue. And they were like, well, we're going to put the dialogue in later. So just watch it. And I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on. What are they talking about? It's like, no, no just just watch it through to the end. And then go back and we'll put the dialogue in. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like now. I mean, I know that I know that there's dialogue. People are going to say like, oh, but there is story or there is dialogue. It's like, yeah, that's not what I'm saying. 
but so much of it is missing that it feels like I'm playing it without the story. I'm yeah. not experiencing the story of Final Fantasy XV. It's not like um, Blade Runner, where they brought out a film and it wasn't to the director's true vision, mm-hmm. or it didn't wasn't you know as good, and they went back and changed it and added things and took things out, and we're like, now this is a better film because mm-hmm. there was a film before. There was Blade Runner. And it was a coherent film, more or less, and it worked, and you could watch it, and whether or not you liked it, that's subjective, kind of. What you're saying about Blade Runner is like it, it's even in its imperfect form that wasn't Ridley Scott's original vision, yeah. it still worked, and it was still important. And it was still a film, influential. It, like, a, a, it had all the bits. It still had merit. To it. Yeah, the rest, whether or not it was good, is subjective. This is, I would say, objectively, the story in Final Fantasy XV is flawed and bad. Yeah objectively and people will disagree and say well you, that's your opinion but I, I think, of course it's my opinion yeah but in my opinion these flaws are they're fundamental flaws you can't yeah, it's yeah. not subjective there are, there are major issues with how this game tells its story it, it's difficult major. because um in terms of like current day sales it's done okay yeah and critically it's done really well and there's a bit of a thing to bring up about that as well because there was actually i don't know how reputable the people were it's, it's a a foreign language review site so sure people that we wouldn't be familiar with, so I can't say whether or not what sort of status they had, but it was, I think it was Spanish or Italian, Sp- yeah, Spanish was, or something. Yeah. Um, they were told that they weren't going to be receiving Square's review copies for future games from Square anymore because they gave Final Fantasy XV a 7 out of 10. Right. And they said, that is not a high enough score. You're damaging our bottom line. We're no longer going to provide review copies for you. Which is like, okay. It's not really how reviews work, but... no. Um, and there's a there's, this has been a, a thing before where people have been told that they're not getting review copies yeah. and stuff. And it is it's a funny topic. I'm not going to get into the ethics of that. No. But what I'm going to get into is the critical reception is is it genuine? Well, like um, and the thing is, but the thing that surprised me was Empire reviewed it, and I would have thought Empire they're not a game site, so they don't um, they aren't they're not relying on those reviews to sell their yeah, magazine sure. or their website. It's the movie reviews and the movie review business is a bit more, you know, you'll, you get to review yeah, the film and bad reviews will come out. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, they don't have the same problem that you do in video game reviews where you are pressured into giving them very good scores or you're not going to get the review copies, which means you're not going to get reviews out early, which means you're not going to be around very long. So um, it surprised me that Empire came out and said that it was a great game. Um, and I'm like, oh, why, why do people... Why are people less Afraid willing to, to yeah to pick at the flaws in a game that I mean I don't dislike Final Fantasy XV. It's a good game. I'm enjoying playing it. It definitely has its, its merits. Just a massively flawed game, in my opinion, at the moment. Yeah, I think like, um, what I was going to say is, despite the fact that sales have been pretty good for them on this title, yeah. people that are playing this just now and discovering these flaws, if they're not addressed, which is yeah. possibly why we're getting this blog post and this update, um they're going to be less likely to, to buy future titles. Yeah, although the thing is, this, um, another thing I said to you is like, they when they gave this, because it used to be Final Fantasy Thursday's 13, mm. and they changed it to Final Fantasy 15. It was the it was a, a mainline game. That to me at the time said, okay, they're going to give this the attention it needs. And that to me was a, a sign of quality. If it is a mainline Final Fantasy game, Square have always had a history of making quality games. Um at least in the Final Fantasy line. There's some other games that they've made that maybe aren't as great, but they're more experimental, more open to trying new things. Final Fantasy games, the mainline games, have always been of a certain quality. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they've betrayed that name mm-hmm. by giving it to this title. They must have known that they weren't going to give it the time. It, 
it like, doesn't feel polished. Not no. to the even to the. I don't like thirteen as a game. Yeah. But thirteen feels much more complete and polished. It feels right. fully realized. Which yes, is a term absolutely. Is, is that maybe a difference between the linear gameplay and I, the I open world? I, would, I, would, well, I don't that, know. This is getting into I think fifteen review territory. But I was talking to one of my friends, and we we were thinking, Final Fantasy has never been an open world game. No, it's not. It it has never been, and hear me. Final Fantasy has always been as linear as thirteen has. If you look at ten, that's the closest in. It's all about how blatantly linear it is. But if you think about it, it has always been linear. You can only go to the next bit that will progress the story. Where it feels like an open world is they've got an illusion of being open. Yeah. So you you have the overworld, which it gives you the illusion of being able to go anywhere. But if you go to Rocket Town after the bit in Rocket Town in Final Fantasy VII, so you've been to Rocket Town, you've played the story, and you go back there, there's no content there. There's the town. You can visit that location. You can speak to the NPCs who might say something slightly different in the context. You'll be able to buy the same items from the shop. You'll be able to fight the same enemies at the same level. But there's no new content there. Yeah. There's I, no quests. I'd, I'd maybe argue that a lot of the content you get when you re- revisit towns in open world games is filler, though. Or yeah, but it's, if, if it's resource-based games, it's like gathering. The or difference doing... is in Final Fantasy XV, there are quests and NPCs that will give you things to do. So there is content there. It's not story content, and it is filler, but it's still content. In yeah. Final Fantasy VII, there is no new content there. It's the same content. It's like rewinding the DVD and being, you know... It, it, there are some places that you can go I and think, do... In Final Fantasy VII, there is... You can go to the Gold Saucer and mm-hmm. play games, but there's never... you can, And sometimes the story will take you back to locations, mm. but it's not open. You can only go to the next location which will progress the story. Sometimes there's an optional quest, like Wutai. That's an optional part of the story. Or the calm traveler. Yeah, but you can still only go to them in certain parts of the the game on certain discs, and it's a very linear game. So, so what, it's not. What open. happens in an open world game when you exhaust all of your side quests? Then and there are, there's nothing remaining the, in the town. The difference I mean, is you can go anywhere, and there's an abundance of content. There's an abundance of content because they don't know where you're going to go next. I think. Okay. And then there's the story, the main storyline. So you you have you can't the thing um, having no side quests or anything in Final Fantasy VII affords them a more focused storyline because they know where you're going to go next and they know that you're not going to have to revisit this area and expect things and you know you don't need to inter you know have it so that uh, the whole world is full of content I mean you can populate you can specifically populate parts of the game with content I see where you're coming so, from but I would probably but disagree is, though I mean, I think a lot of the dialogue changes throughout Final Fantasy, and even if that's the, only the in certain point, key points, like it's still there are reasons we're not to go back about, to some places. We're not talking about; they are like fairly linear games. You can only go to the next point that will progress the story. Well, they're linear narratives. Um, they're linear games because there's no you can't choose to go somewhere and expect there to be content there. You can, you have to go to the next point, and for the first disc, you actually can only go to the next point. You come out of Midgar. The map Midgar is, is fully linear. You can't choose where to go because it's not open. There's no world map. You come out of Midgar, and the only place you can go next is Calm, and from there you can only go to the Chocobo Farm. From there, you can literally only go through the caves to um, the Fort Condor. Fort Condor. You you can't actually go anywhere else because it doesn't give you the mobility. You can only go everywhere. I think once you get to the second disc. Uh, once you get the tiny Bronco, you can go more yeah, places. But that's that's like, um, I that's think, halfway through like the full story. I think the 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 issue that people take is like with thirteen. You're you're not incorrect in saying like the the narrative is very similar. Like you go to one place to another, and the narrative takes place in specific places, and there is no yeah. there's no 
there's no breathing room in there. Like you have to go to specific places for narrative to take place, and that's where the story is told. And there is merit to that. There's absolutely merit to having story points take place in specific places because that's like it's it all contributes to visuals and tone and all that kind of thing. But I think it's the fact that you can go back and visit these places. That's what people wanted yeah. in thirteen. Is that the, you have the option to even if there's nothing there, you, you want, want to go back and visit it. Yeah, you want to feel like there is a world there mm-hmm. as a backdrop to the game, not necessarily the game itself. Yeah. So in Skyrim, you like us, you're drawn away and you, you go and you find different quest lines and different story threads. So you can go and do the Dark Brotherhood thing. That's a story in itself, and you can do that at any point. You can do that without even having started the main storyline. You find your own story or different stories. In Seven, it rigidly guides you through their story. Uh, but the thing is, in Final Fantasy XV, they've taken it to mean that because people didn't like the fact that Thirteen was so blatantly not open, it was a corridor. You literally couldn't move yeah. off the corridor. Um, and you just... It, they were literally corridors as well, I think, for the most part. Yeah. There, there was um, a lot of criticism yeah. on the... So that game has no illusion because the only town you go to is not a town. It's still just corridors in the backdrop of a town. And if you try and go off of the the path, they're like, you can't go this way. Here's like, a good example. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Here's a good example of an area in a game, and I, I hate to go back to 7 because it's obviously my favourite game and all that kind of thing, but he, a good example of an area that is linear but gives the illusion of non-linearity is Wall Market. Yeah. Wall Market has so much stuff going on in it, and there's so many different areas that all look different, and it all, contr- it all does contribute to one quest line which you have to go through yeah. in order to progress through the story, but there's multiple ways that you can go about it. And there's so much stuff going on, and it feels so alive, and all that kind of thing. You can do it in different orders. You can do it in different orders. It's great, and like it's the like it's all linear. Like there's only so many ways you can do it, but it feels like there's more to it than that. And it's all about giving the feeling that you have this choice, even if you don't. It's giving the player the feeling that they are part of this area that feels like they have so much choice, Um, even if it's just incidental dialogue, like um, going into the going into the, the eatery. And selecting what you're eating might not. You only have one real choice that leads you to the next part of the quest line, but there's three other choices there, and you're like, "Oh, I can make Cloud eat anything." It's it's all the illusion of linearity, and I hope that's what they understand with Seven, because I feel that past fifteen by entirely. I'm really worried that they wouldn't think that people would want Seven R to be open world. I I would I I would sacrifice too much. I would like to think Nomura knows better than that. But we'll see. So you, you're hoping that they make 7 Remake more linear-like? I want it to yes. be a linear, story-focused game with the illusion of a, a depth to the world. So say they took yes. Final Fantasy 7, exactly as it was, polished yeah. the graphics and everything, same map, same level design, but the NPCs had side quests. Would uh, you consider that an open world? And would that be preferable to you than the original game? It depends on uh, how much of a priority that is given sure because i would prefer they make sure everything else is in place first i don't really feel the need for there to be side quests what i would like is them to flash out the world a bit more well so i think for the them thing to about be true seven, to the original yeah. is the um the side quests ah, couldn't the, have any um impact on the story no, but or here's the, the thing that you're um seven r and they've been clear about this is not going to be true to the original yeah, they've it's already said... It's a new said, game. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, they've said, we made 7. We feel as though we have the right to go back and make 7 again mm-hmm. and change it. And I'm quite on board with that. 
So I'm I'm willing for them to take risks. So if seven's bad, like seven are, really, and they've taken risks, then you can't really fault them. And the original still exists, so but, that's fine. Um, what's good about seven R is, and some people are upset about this, but what they're doing is it's over free games. That gives you a lot of space to flash out stuff or to add side quests and stuff. So if they think that they can do it and they're not gonna exhaust their resources doing side quests, where they're gonna be like, well. We really wanted to have chocobo racing in in a bigger capacity than before, um, but we can't now because we're focusing on this. You know, I think it needs to fit, um, and anything that they do with seven should serve to bring seven into the modern gaming. Okay. But side quests weren't really present in seven, so I would see it as less important than flashing out things like chocobo racing or catching chocobos or making those game mechanics that were present in the original game fuller and more modern. Okay. If, if you know what I mean. It's like an adaption. Yeah. Um, I would be open to side quests. I don't have a problem with side quests. The only problem I have with side quests in 15 is the way it works in the greater scheme of things. They feel inconsequential so, yeah, a lot of the time. Uh, keeping on the track of open world, and yeah. this is not meant to be like a trick question or anything, it's just a thought experiment. Yeah. Would you consider uh, Ocarina of Time an open world no. game? No. Would you consider Majora's Mask to be an open world game? I haven't played. Much I've of never that. played Majora's Mask, so I wouldn't be able to comment. That's like we've lost all of our listeners now. Why? Oh, because you guys haven't played it. Like Majora's... not real gamers. No, I, yeah. I haven't. I mean, been... I know about Majora's Mask. The I, thing I haven't I played it say, either. Yeah. But obviously, it's a it's a game where you, you're given a countdown, but there's a, there's a time mechanic where you can rewind time. Yeah. But there... Ocarina of Time is a game where you can choose the order in which you do it. Well, right. that's the thing. Like so much of it, you don't actually have to do to complete the game. Yeah. There are so many like side quests and side storylines that, yeah. that are um, that serve to perhaps um, make the main narrative stronger. Would, yeah. would you allow so, me to interrupt? Sorry, a a Ashley's more. played the, the Zelda played games. pretty much all of them, yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't consider either of them to be truly open world games. Like, they're, they're not. And I understand where you're coming from saying that there is, I mean, Majora's Mask is the same as Ocarina of Time and that a lot of the things you can do, you don't have to. You can ignore the majority of it and get from start to finish and win the game, yeah, so to speak. So I mean, like, but I don't fully agree that a lot of the things that you do help flesh out the main story. Or, or I mean, some of it is completely inconsequential. No, but they're complementary to it, surely. Just... I think that um, Ocarina of Time, the world is open and you can go where you want. But when we say open world, mm-hmm. there that people know. That open world in gaming means a certain type of game and a certain type it means of world. Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim yeah. or so what, Grand that, Theft Auto. Or so. What do you consider to be the first open world game then, or the, as far back as you can remember? Probably because, Morrowind, right? No, it would be before then because there was a uh, Daggerfall and stuff. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. But I don't even know if it was Elder Scrolls. That's that's too much for me to just answer off the top of my Here's head. Here's a question I would like to pose you. Talking about Ocarina of Time and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and this is a question I'd like to pose to Ashley as well, right? And 15, side quests are specifically referred to as side quests. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Ocarina of Time and Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 8, 9, all that kind of thing, there are side quests, but they are never referred to as side quests. There's something that incidentally happens as you progress through the story, right? Yes. Something like Wutai, yeah. which pulls you away from you the just... it's a part of the story that you don't need to do. It's not a side quest. It is, technically, yes, it is, but the game doesn't, like, 
my problem with 15 about side quests is it's like, these are side quests. The thing is, these are things yeah, you don't need not, to do. They're There's, not really like optional parts of the story yeah. no, that you naturally come same. across. You have it's to go out of your way to they're, find them and do exactly, them. And, yeah. I do exactly. find it a bit like if, if they're actually calling them side quests in the game and they're labeling they them as that. That's MMO. Does that not break the immersion? If you go into the menu to look for them, they are specifically in a section. Side quests. You have to go and get them as well. You don't just have them. They're not... They're not natural. No. They're, and they, they, but they feel like they're they're presented like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy fourteen MMO quests. Yeah. Fourteen is like and everything. largely the the inspiration for this, isn't it? It's like they developed the kind of quest styles of fourteen. A lot or, of it's just go here, yeah. kill X amount of things, come back with. It's, it's a collect fest, yeah. Um, even to the things like uh, when you rank up your hunter rank, one of the NPCs says, "Grats." <laughs> and I was like, "Thank you." There's my immersion totally fucked off. It, if it wasn't the cup noodle shit or the Vivian oh Westwood God. shit, God. Oh, Vivian the West. Oh my God, advert. that fucking Vivian Westwood bullshit. Are you the, at that point? No, no, mine's not. Is there not Vivian that. Westwood in the game? They mention her by name yes. several times. She is. She is an actual character in the game. Have you not seen the screenshots the going around on like Twitter it's and stuff? Luna's like, wedding dress is specifically. Is designed by yeah, named numerous times. Yeah. And they make a big push of it. Like as big there is a Vivian of Westwood store in one of the times. There's a side quest where Gladiolus <laughs> makes you go off to get him cup noodles. And he turns... This isn't a joke. He turns to the camera and he literally says, word by word, he recites some marketing spiel for cup noodles. And he says it to the camera with like a little smile. And he's like, yeah, he cup noodles, you... there's nothing quite like the taste of a good cup noodle. He asks you what your favourite flavour or your favourite ingredient is. Yeah, he's like, I like... yeah. <laughs> It's the most blatant bullshit. It's, it's terrible. So sad. And then after that, Video a cup noodle van just happens to show up, and you can buy that. You can buy cup noodles. From I've seen them. How fucking raging would around. you be if you were Ignis and he keeps going on about cup noodles? You'd be like, "Look, I slave away to make these recipes and make you food." Listen, I've thought of a new recipe. I'm gonna fucking slap the face <laughs> of a dick. <laughs> I'll taste test it for you. <laughs> I'll taste test it for you. But um, no, that that was my one of my main issues. Like the side quests feel entirely inconsequential of the game. Like the the. My issue is like there's one side quest where you collect frogs. Mm. Maybe we shouldn't be going on about fifteen so much, but I want yeah, to get I think this we should in. wrap it up and, and save it for a, a deeper review of the game. I want let, to get a wee bit in it the last time though. Um is this this side quest where you collect frogs and all you're doing is going and collecting items. It says collect frogs, but they're no different than just picking up an item. No. It is because they're, they're not moving they're oh, just they're in a moving. fixed location there, like, here's the thing and that is Wait. exactly taken from Final Fantasy XIV yeah. it's got the same field of no, but here, uh, the but area here's effect my can I just where's the fucking frogs where are the frogs because they said they would be live frogs did they not say live frogs what they said there'd be fucking live frogs I'm certain they said there'd be live frogs not real oh, live frogs yeah, but like, hopping around what? frogs like where oh. where are the fucking who's, frogs who's they the developers no the... Platinum Demo had frogs in it Okay. Platinum Demo had frogs in it. Yeah, it I'm not going mad, am I? They had frogs. <laughs> no, Dusky had frogs in it. And then you're supposed to be catching frogs, and the frogs just sit there like. Dusky had frogs Pick in me it. Up. It's like. Um, <laughs> finish no, no, because Platinum Demo was Platinum Demo had you going through the bit where you see Titan. He comes up, he's like, and you go past the water, and the frogs were in the fucking water. Oh, were they? Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, to finish, to finish, the in this frog thing. Final frog. In this, in this frog side quest. Frog. At the at the end of it, they slip in this wee bit of. Like story, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm collecting frogs because this, because the nights are getting longer and all that kind of thing." And it just feels so Wait, dishonest. Whoa, the nights are getting longer. Yes. 
I never picked that up. Nobody exactly. Told me, nobody exactly. explained exactly. to me that the nights were getting longer. And what the fuck does that tie exactly. into? Exactly. Like how, exactly. What but does that have to do with anything? What's that got to all do with? All it's doing, all the side quest is doing, is going. Oh shit! This is a side quest. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, we'll get a wee bit of story at the end. It was a strange to make it seem hint important. that the environment was changing because these frogs were red and they were only in this one area or something. What? But what's that got to do with the main? Like, oh my god, this is bullshit. Because I got, I got to a certain point in the game, and then Dave was like, "What did you think of this cutscene?" And I was like, "What cutscene?" Turns out that cutscene triggers totally if you happen to walk near a certain NPC at a certain time of the game. Right. And it's optional. And it drops some, I would say, Quite important pretty important stuff, exposition yeah. to explain what certain characters do in the game. Yeah. And I missed it because but the game didn't... But you can only get it if you, if you happen, happen upon it. to be there. I mean, yeah. if it's important, then it sounds weird that it's missed it out. But yeah. at the same time, if, if, it was, if it was incidental, for example, that comes back to you talking about open world gameplay this... experiences. Because everyone would have a different experience of the world if it was... Based but on if different. You're te- if you're telling a narrative in an open world game, you need to make sure that the game is comprehensible. Like there are certain parts that everyone should experience. Yeah. Yes, no, it can't be incomprehensible just because you happen to fuck up. That you need to maintain that storyline and make sure that you can experience yeah. it in a, a um, way that you can process it and understand what's going on. But we need uh, to get Steve here to maintain. Some yeah, Steve's gonna. Steve enjoys the game, so we'll get him in for yeah. a, a balanced. Hey, Liam. You know what would help you feel much better? Is it a cup noodle? A delicious <laughs> cup noodle. <laughs> yeah, but um, let's let's leave Final Fantasy for another day. Then yeah. we totally forgot to do the poorly remembered game quote. We did. Uh, you may remember last week. Um, the poorly remembered quote was: "I realized the moment I fell into the fissure that the book would not be destroyed as I had planned." That's Atreus from Mist. I realized the moment I fell into the fissure that the book would not be destroyed as I had planned. It was a point-and-click adventure game, or a puzzle game. Um, you wake up on an island? I, can't, I don't know if you wake up or you get sucked for a book. You get sucked for a book. Uh, the way Miss works is there's these books, and you can write in these books, and when you write in the books, it creates a world. And so they're called linking books, and you can go into the books and, and look around the world. Uh, and so you, you are on this island called Mist, and that Mist is one of these worlds that has been created. Um, and so you need, you go, you're walking around and you're kind of looking around and you find this room. It's like a library and there's two books in there. And inside those two books you find out there are two brothers, one trapped in each book. And they can't get out because these are b- books that have had their pages torn out. And they're like, bring me the pages. So they're arguing. Like One of them's like, bring me the red pages. You must release me. Don't release my brother. And the other one's like, bring me the blue pages. I am the good one. He's bad. Don't release him. So you go around this world solving puzzles and finding pages, and it's excellent. It's got great atmosphere. It's just stills. Well, Pre-rendered 3D stills. I heard a rumor. You could maybe correct me, but was the original Mist not created using like Microsoft Excel or something? Or is like built using spreadsheets and the interactions based on the direction you went in loaded in a different cell which had the image in it? I have no it. idea. That, I have no idea. I need I to look that, into that. I know that um, it uses QuickTime. Right. And stuff. It, it's uh, but it's an, th- th- This game it came out in 1995. At the time when it came out, it was the best-selling game of all time. That's right. People don't remember it. Like, More than Tetris. Best-selling game of all time. It was the best-selling game of all time until 2000 or 1999 when The Sims came out. The Sims knocked the best-selling game title off it. It's been, that's been surpassed now by probably Grand Theft Auto. Or uh, one of the Call of Duty games of Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Or, like that, yeah. um, or but, Minecraft. Or Minecraft. Or Minecraft, oh my God, yeah. Probably. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't played this game, go back and play it. It's excellent. Um, it's it's one of those PC games from that particular type of era where like it got ported to absolutely everything like yeah. Yeah. it. 
It's like the DS and all that. Yeah. It's on the PSP, it's on the PC, it's on the Mac. It's, it's a great on game. PlayStation 1. It's a really good game. Yeah. It's really, um, really tough. So like, despite being a game where it's literally just stills and you're just clicking on the image and it'll load it. The uh, the remake, is it Final Mist or something? Real Mist. Real Mist. It, it doesn't have stills. It's no, it's, full, it's janky. 3D engine. I don't like it. It's, it I is think a it takes weird, you out of the, the game a wee bit. Um, it's maybe preferable for people yeah. that don't want to play the stills version, yeah. though. So, I mean, it's this, this um, the options there. And there's Riven as well. but Riven's fantastic. Riven yeah. is such a good game. I, um, I preferred Riven to Mist. But I don't think we've had it in context, have we? The quote. We played it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> you mentioned that. Uh, I think you mentioned Steve. Steve got it right. Quote. He messaged me uh, like five, literally five minutes after Ashley messaged me to say, Isn't that from Mist? So, yeah. congratulations to you both. Um, Yay! <laughs> just love that game one of my favourite games and we'll have another poorly remembered game quote at the end of this episode actually can I say I sent a letter to Cyan Worlds recently <laughs> like last year the developers, oh, the right. developers doing this. I wrote a letter because Mist and Riven don't work oh on modern PCs oh. so it's a hassle to get them to work so it wasn't and a happy letter the no it was well it was it was like I love your game so much and I like it, it, However. Was, it was dorky as fuck but I was like I love your game so much I think it's a shame that you, it's so hard for people to play these games and then go back and play them because they don't work properly. You have to play them on, unless you've got an Android or an iOS device, which is no way to experience those games. No, it's really not. Um, you can't go back and play them. You, you really need to go back and fix them. They did bring out a new game, so I know they're still active and doing things. I think oh, it was really? called like uh, Abduction or Obsidian or something. Mm. Um, it's like a Mist-type game. They recently made that. Um, and the reason why I think it works is because it uses a very specific version of QuickTime. So if it doesn't have that version of QuickTime, oh, it crashes right, when you yeah. try and load media or whatever fruit. So when you hit Cut certain bits, yeah, like that, yeah, it just freezes up, and it's a, it's a damn shame. Oh, that sucks. Good game. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, if you haven't already. Um, so let's move on to our uh, our budget game challenge. Oh, finally okay. getting to this. Finally getting like to this. Almost two months. So we we did speak about it uh, off air, and we decided to change the rules a little. Yeah. Um, based on what we discussed in the podcast, we were going to make a, uh, any game under £10 across any of the digital marketplaces. Yeah. And we've changed that now to any game under £5. £10 was too easy. £10 is too easy. You can yeah. get you can buy like great games for less than £10, especially during sales. Yeah. So buying something that's under £5 challenges you to find something. And if you, know, if you just have to buy a game that you've never heard of or you're not familiar with, then we can... Talk about it like you know it's it's a laugh. It's a bit more of a mystery, or, yeah, and a, definitely a bit more of a challenge. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna go first because okay. I really kind of didn't necessarily perform this one to the best of my abilities. You did better than us. Well, price wise, uh, I picked up a game for one pound sixty nine on Steam. Uh, it's currently ninety percent off though, so. It doesn't matter. It still if, works. Uh, it does work, but if people are listening to this, they will need to grab it whilst it's cheap. It's bargain hunt. It's not cheap forever hunt. That's that's, that's yeah. That's, that's fair. Um, so I picked up the last Tinker City of Colors uh, on Steam for one pound sixty nine, and is that a prequel to the Last Guardian? Uh, no, it's actually no, it's a, a sequel, sequel to, to those adverts uh, oh with god. the the fabric people for the fabric softener. Oh my god! Those <laughs> what happened are after all the comfort ran out? Yeah, they lived in this big patchwork Comfort village. So yeah, it's worth explaining. Again, that's a, a UK TV advert. Uh, it's kind of trippy. I'll see if I can post something in the, the, oh, you'll be able the to blog. Find oh, yeah. Um, it's so a very the, chill looking game. It's a very chill feeling game. So yeah. The visuals are crossed between uh, Viva Piñata, um, Wind Waker, and this, this these kind of adverts that I mentioned. Yeah. And uh, so it's all kind of patchwork felt, really bright kind of thing. 
kids would maybe enjoy. Um, I have only played about an hour of it um, because I picked it up last night. My the previous game I picked up was like seven pounds. Um, oh, right. So I, I wanted to to challenge myself. What was your previous to, game? Just previous game was Recursed. Um, also, for full disclosure, it was one of somebody I know, a pal from the Edinburgh indie scene that, mm. that built it. Um, but it's a fantastic uh, platformer puzzler. It will really mess with your head, but it's I'm I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's it's a really lateral thinking puzzle game. Uh, but jumping back to this, this is uh it seems it, this is more of like an action platformer. Mm-hmm. Um, control scheme feels quite again like maybe Wind Waker esque. There's no actual jump button. Uh, you, it's contextual, so you know you run to the edge of a platform, your character will jump off, and um, it's really easy to play, really accessible mm-hmm. for kids. The audio sounds really cool, and Liam said it would be good for stoners. So Stu, if it's you're listening, it's that kind of game. Yeah, um, it, it looked like a game that was very much that didn't rush the player. It, it does very much like just take your time. Yeah, just do you, what you want. You could it's, put the controller down and feel, like go away and do something else. And don't feel pressured. It's a very sort of yeah, I'm not. Off. I'm not really sure what more I can say about it though, because I didn't play enough of it. Um, yeah. So you play this character who looks like Monkey um, from it's Monkey like, Magic. Yeah, from Monkey Magic, the from the the Legends as well. He's got like a a band around his head. I did not see Pigsy or the other guy though. So Tripitaka or, or Sandy. Yeah, one of those guys. The uh, story seems to be uh, that you are well, when you wake up. At least you're supposed to be entering a big race. Um, but you've got loads of other little side quests to go and do, which essentially um, teach you how to play. I see. Uh, it's to go and help people around the village. That's that's pretty much it, really. For one pound sixty nine, it's it's fun. <laughs> I like the main character design. Yeah. He's got a cool scarf. From what I saw, it's it it very nice, really, really friendly. Like just if you're not, sometimes gaming can be stressful. Yeah. Like you know, as much as it's a, as much as if it's an escape or it can help you relax, it can also be stressful. Get you worked up. If you're tired and not feeling great, it looked like a great game to just sit down and and really just yeah. I mean, I think I'd soak it in and as far as Dark Souls rehabilitation goes, yeah, maybe <laughs> after after a few hours of Dark Souls, I could maybe chill with fifteen yeah. minutes of this. But so it's a it's a very bright, very accessible, very uh, universally uh, playable game. Um, yeah. And I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to segue to Liam because I know that his is like the polar opposite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the reason why I said I think you did it better than us is you found a game that you hadn't played. Hmm. You bought a game, you tried it, you brought it back and said, hey, and people won't have heard of that game, I don't no. think. Um, my game, most people will have heard of, but if you haven't or you haven't played of it, played it and you've heard of it, you've always thought, maybe I'll play it. This is a great game and it's so cheap. Um, there's two games, really, and the way I'm going to uh, cheat and have these two games is you can buy them in a bundle on Steam for under a fiver. So my game is Abe's Odyssey. Um which is a fantastic platformer game. It's platformer slash puzzle. Solid yeah. title. Um, it's, it's Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus. And Abe's Exodus. They're one ninety nine each on Steam. That's a steal. Yeah. It's an absolute steal. Yeah. And um, it's a direct sequel. These are the originals, not the remake. No, um, this is the, the, remake. the original ones. Uh, and here's the thing. You can buy them in a bundle for three ninety nine. <laughs> we're we're not getting commission here either. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but this is the thing. The bundle is a whole penny more expensive than buying the two games separately. <laughs> what? Three ninety nine versus one ninety nine each. It's it's still a good deal, but it's yeah. silly maths. Why why is it that it should be it should be three quid two ninety nine for the bundle, one ninety nine for each game. Mm. Businesses yeah, sure. uh, are not very good at maths when it comes no. to deals. But it, th- these games, if you haven't played them, they're fantastic. So the premise is you are Abe and he is a Madokan. Yes. Uh, and a Madokan is so it's set in this um, 
world, which all these games are set in, it's called Oddworld. Mm. And each game is a foray into Oddworld. Uh, and the first game is Abe. He's a Madokan, and he works in a meat processing plant called Rupture Farms. And it's uh, ran by these bigwigs who are all about the bottom line and all about making money. Uh, and the thing is, each product that they bring out is so popular and so tasty that whatever it's made of goes extinct. <laughs> and so everything's mm-hmm. going extinct. Uh, and so That's they're capitalism. like, we need to find another meat, some more meat that is cheap, readily available, and isn't going extinct. Um, and so they turn to the Madokans, who are slaves. They work in rupture farms, but they're slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they think, why don't we just use the Madokans and sell them as meat? So Abe's cleaning on the floor. He walks along, and he happens to see that there's a boardroom meeting on. He looks through the crack in the door, listens in, realizes that their next product is going to be him. And he decides he has to get out of rupture farms and escape. But Abe is a man of conscience. He can't just escape on his own. He has to bring as many of his Madokan friends with him. So the puzzle is... It's a platforming game. You have to get through it. Uh, and at each um, certain points in the game, there is a portal that you can open and Madokans can run through it and escape. So you have to solve these platforming puzzles. Um, I won't go into what the puzzles are, but they're, they're puzzles. Uh, and get your Madokans out. Yeah. And they are great games. They're, they're, the atmosphere is great. Um, the world building, the characters, it's funny. Um, the platforming can be a bit... It's an, like It's an old game. It's very precise. So... Um, if you're not used to that kind of control scheme where uh, it's a, it's not as polished as control schemes are now, you might find that a bit weird, but I'd say stick with it and mm-hmm. get used to it because you'll get so much out of it. It's one of the most atmospheric platformers ever made. Or yeah. one of the most atmospheric games ever made. It's, like all it's the, so um, unforgiving though. All the environments so are made out of pre-rendered stills. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know it's like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, similar. Yeah. Um, and so it's... It's just a really great game. I think you should pick it up. Oh, it's awesome. um, excellent. excellent. I remember as a kid as well, I was a, I'm was i a vegetarian. Yeah. I've been a vegetarian all my life. And just the, the whole meat part of it gave creeped me out as well. Like yeah. before it was all about him being eaten. I was just like, oh, meat. So it but had you had, a real... you had that risotto thing actually made you for dinner. Oh, is that? that? That's my docking. Is it? What? <laughs> oh my God. How could you? <laughs> that's just awful. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. So it had a real gross out factor for me above and beyond that which I really enjoyed right I like that kind of like Ugh. it made you uncomfortable but, yeah in, and in I, the think, I think other people get grossed out by it but maybe not as much um, it's, it's taken to a logical extreme where like there's so much like gore and meat in that game like even like yeah. Abe explodes into bloody chunks so like everything yeah. it's yes. not like it's not like way gory so if, no I mean I yeah. played it as a kid you, Fan- can, you can give it to a kid they're not going to be freaked out by it yeah I think, it, I think it had a 15 rating yeah. when it was initially released um, so that was my game I'd like to give another shout because it was one i really wanted to have sure as yeah. my thing i thought it was cheaper this was while it was uh 10.99 or no this is why it was 10 pound was our limit and this was 10.99 and i was like ah damn because the one i really wanted to do was cave story plus right oh because cave story is a fantastic game and oh, if you haven't played so that good. that's an amazing game so i just say it is. i won't go into it but i just say if you can check that one out it's actually oh, um it's used quite often for game design kind of uh, as an example of the, the pinnacle of like game design for yeah. a lot of people because and despite you, the fact that it's, it's a really simple game yeah. it's very well planned and very well built out it was one guy wasn't it that one made guy, the original yeah. 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 it was an indie developer um, it was, then, it was, it's also seen as like one of the original yeah. indie games on like of, of modern times 2004 and another thing if you do want to play Abe's Odyssey and you're not into playing older games there is a remake that came New out and tasty. but that also is above are five pound limit. It's like sixteen ninety nine on Steam. Yeah, it will but be it, cheap over the yeah. Christmas sales though. It's a oh, yeah. fairly honest, like it's a fairly true 
adaptation and remake of the original game. There's some things I I don't think it's as good. I think it loses some in in the transition. Yeah. I think it loses some of its character. Well, I think we discussed um, with Tom last week. It's not as yeah, dark and gritty. It's, yeah, it's a it's, different feeling. But it's still a great game. And if you a, do want yeah. to play something newer, I'd say yeah, at least give that a go. Like, there's obviously some chaos that's been yeah. put into making it. So. It's just it's just it is Abe Abe's Odyssey was made years and years ago. This is a more modern game with a more modern sort of approach to it and yeah. uh, just a more yeah. sort of different aesthetic. It's a more mm-hmm. modern aesthetic. Abe's quite 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just a different time. It's a product of a different time. So, um, But it's still very good and I would recommend cool. that too. So uh, another title from our childhoods, please, Dave. Uh, so the game I bought is uh, currently and has been for con- some considerable time as far as I'm aware. It's three ninety nine on the PlayStation 3 PlayStation Store. Um, and it is Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back. Um, Crash Bandicoot 2 is an odd game because it is... I mean, obviously, if, apart from being literally quite between Crash 1 and 3, it also feels very much between Crash 1 and 3. Like, um, there are quite a lot of um, <clears throat> changes from Crash 1. Uh, Crash's model is more streamlined. Crash was quite wide and fat looking in the first game mm-hmm. whereas he's been slimmed in a bit he's got a bit more attitude a bit more edge um, I mean obviously the whole thing about the Crash games is that they're quite edgy in design like um, not even like as in Crash itself is edgy but it's all polygons and sharp lines and all that kind of thing it's got a very specific look to it um, it's very triangular very triangular yeah um, it's it's just how the Playstation 1 as a type of hardware works it's how they render um, polygons and all that kind of thing um, but um, it's very, very platforming focused. Uh, Crash 1 is like that in particular, but Crash 3 are a bit less so. There are more levels in Crash 3 which are like gimmick levels. Yeah. So you've got like your swimming levels, you've got your uh, motorbike levels, you've got your uh, ride on a tiger levels, you've got your um, Spitfire, airplane levels, all that kind yeah. of thing. Crash 2 has platforming, it has um, riding on the polar bear, and it has jetpacks, and that's it. Um, there are That's your three types of game mm-hmm. in there. Um, so it was a, it was a scale up from the the first one. It was a it was a logical progression for the first game, but the third one is kind of a, a widening of the scope. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is quite obtuse in some ways as well. It's quite a difficult game actually. It is. Um, like the first, even the first proper level, it was a first tutorial level where mm-hmm. um, Coco tells you to go and get a battery for a laptop. Right. Um, but the first proper level, like you can't actually physically collect all the boxes until later in the game. And it tells you that, like you, you can collect them as much as you want when your first playthrough. And you get through, and you've only collected half of them. You're like, what, what's going on? It's it's specifically quite up, like esoteric and obtuse a bit in the way it approaches platform. There's a lot of secrets and a lot of different ways through it's like levels. Forced and, replayability. Yeah, it's forced replayability, and like it, the game actually tells you a couple of times uh, because obviously you've got um, Neil Cortex is telling you to collect the the. The crystals, the purple crystals. And he's like the big bad in this, he's returning the big bad in the from first the first game. game. He's the big bad in the first game. In the second game, he's telling you, I need these crystals to save the world. Mm. And Crash buys in it because Crash, in canon, is an idiot. Yeah. Um, and Coco and is the, the smart one. But she can't contact Crash because she's away from him. He right. gets teleported into these warp rooms and she can't contact him. So she can't tell him, Cortex is playing you like a, yeah. like a damn fiddle. There's, there's actually a really good narrative there because like in certain areas she manages to communicate with him through the same device that Cortex is. Yeah. Yes, she hacks to be camera guy. It's nice. It's, it's, it was a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, so, where was I? Again, I can't remember now. Um, but... The crystals. The crystals, of course. <laughs> um, but 
Enbrio is also there as well. The guy with bolts in his head. Yeah. The guy with the stutter. Um, he's telling you to collect the gems, mm. which are optional. But the game makes a point of saying that you've not quite got there to collect the gem. Mm-hmm. Go back and play it again. And that is like concurrent through the whole game as a sort of undercurrent. Mm-hmm. But you don't really need them. Yeah. The main thing is collect the crystals. Yeah. But it works really well. It's, it's almost like you're picking a side when you decide... Exactly, yeah. But the game is really unforgivingly hard at some points. Yeah. Um, more hard than three. Probably not more hard than one. Because one is a really hard game. I, I haven't played the first one. I've played Crash 2 and 3. One has weird input lag. And it's, it's a pretty hard game. I have um, very fond memories of Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Crash 2, um, it's got the same amount of levels. I think it's got one or two more secret levels. Mm-hmm. But a higher level unforgiv- unforgiven like feel to the game. But like there's more reward to it. Um, they were all made within a year of each other. Wow. Mm-hmm. Th- that's um, that's ludicrous. That's quite impressive. Like You wouldn't yeah. get that. Nah, maybe you would. You get like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed coming out like yeah. every other week. That's true. Um, so worth mentioning, uh, you picked that up on the PS3. The PS3 PlayStation Store. Yes. Okay. Uh, and that was three ninety nine. As are all of the Crash Bandicoot games. Cool. So you can get those now, or uh, as we mentioned in the last podcast, they are releasing the remake the N- N- plus the Insane trilogy. trilogy, which looks good Does next good. summer. Yeah. It looks like it'll be pretty cool. When's yeah. HD Crash Team Racing though? That's, that's, that's the big question. Hopefully never. Crash Team Racing was objectively a better game than any Mario Kart that has it's, ever been. It's better than Mario Kart 64 by a country mile. Fantastic it's so, game. so good. Love Crash Team Racing. Um, so I'll just point out, like it's we're not excluding Ash from this, but Ash... Uh... My original plan when it was £10 was to cheat and use multiple games I already own that are in the seven to ten pound region, and then the guys decided to make it harder for themselves, and I bowed out because I didn't want to look for anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, is the best policy. <laughs> and to be fair, Honey Pop's not a platformer. Anyway. It's not. I mean, yeah, most most of my most of my games don't cover the platform base, but you know, if you ever do a dating someone, I'm on it. I have loads well, of options. If we I was dating sims of puzzle bobble clones. We'll yeah. Let you know. I was gonna suggest to Ashley pick the the theme for the next one, but oh. maybe now we should. I'd double be well think up for that. playing some dating sims. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine's just be Katawa Shoujo. I go and ask uh, Megan for some. Yeah. Or Tommy dating sims. Yeah. Katawa some... Shoujo was the free one on iPhone, right? It's no, one no. The cripples. Yeah. It's oh, the one oh, that 4chan no, the four chan one. Yeah. Dear Lord. Um, it's a good game, actually. What What do we want to do? Well, I I could talk about something that I've been messing about with on my PlayStation 4. I meant for our next challenge. Oh, for the next thing. Yeah. Well, I thought we were going to say what we were going to talk about next. So no, I, I don't care about your PS4. <laughs> I think Ash oh, no, we want to talk about something next, we, but... we do need to talk about that, though, Liam. Yeah. Uh, but what you've been... What are we going to do for our next... Thing? What are we going to do for our next bargain discount Decide challenge? right now, actually. Put me on the spot. Uh... Pick a theme. And it doesn't have to be a game type. It could just be... A genre. It what? could be um, wallpaper. Or, you know, any kind of keyword that we have to meet the challenge of. Bumblebees. Hubby. Hubby. Hmm. I, I don't know. Like, you've, you've put me on the spot. I'm going to leave this pause in here. You're just going to leave it? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Okay, we'll come back to you at the end of the show. Okay. Okay. Okay, we'll let Ashley think about that. But in the meantime, Liam, can you tell us what you've been tinkering with this Yeah, week? so a couple of days ago, I can't remember exactly which day, it was recently, um... This all came about uh, one of my friends 
finally completed a a game. I'm not going to say which game, because I can't remember. Uh, but you got all the trophies for it, and the last trophy, the Platinum trophy, didn't unlock. And so he went and emailed that game's support or whatever, and he says, hey, lads, my Platinum trophy didn't unlock. And they said, oh, you need to format your hard drive, reinstall everything, play the game, it'll register the trophy. What? So here's the here's the crux. He had PT on his hard drive, so he had to choose then. His choice was never get the Platinum for that trophy. He's a big trophy hunter. He's got lots of games Platinum, so he he's working on this to get the Platinum trophy. In what world is that a solution, though? Um, I mean, I can see how that would be the solution. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's just not registered. He needed to restore his purchases and, and stuff and reinstall them all. Um, but so um, he had to choose between reformatting, reformatting his hard drive and yeah. losing PT, which if people don't know, PT stands for Playable Teaser. It's the um, It was a teaser for the now sadly cancelled Silent Hills game, which was a collaboration between Hideo Kojima Guillermo del Toro and Junji Ito. Yes. If you haven't heard and of that, Norman Reedus. then why haven't you been listening to our podcast? Because last week we talked about that. So if you want to go back and listen to our last podcast, Podcast 9, it's, it's all in there. We talk about it a lot there. So um, if you're curious, go back and listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, playable teaser, PT. It's a standalone game in itself. It's like a short game. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't really relate to Silent Hills as a game. It was just once you complete it, the reward is a trailer for Silent Hills. And that was the reveal. Um, so it's an excellent, excellent game. Uh, in and itself, it stands up on its own as a really great piece of entertainment. I'd say it's a short game, in as much as like a short film or a short novel is. Uh, so I, I really like PT. And the thing is, I had PT. I downloaded it when it was on the, the PSN store when it was available uh-huh. before it was cancelled. Konami, once they cancelled Silent Hills, was they withdrew PT. No one can play it. No one can buy it. If you did have it, you can't re-download it. So if he reformats his hard drive, he loses PT, he can't download it again. I lost it uh, a couple of years ago. I sold my PlayStation 4 to a friend because I bought the Metal Gear Solid 5 Special Edition PlayStation. The irony of ironies. Yeah. Um, so uh, not only did uh, Konami kill my love for Metal Gear, it also <laughs> took away PT from me because it made me buy this shitty PlayStation. You it's a nice PlayStation. Feel it too, but anyway, so he was talking about this and I was trying to think of like, oh, what's the solution to this? I was like, well, I, I was like, maybe he could sign in on another PlayStation that wasn't his one and try and reinstall the games on there. Maybe it would trigger the trophy there and he wouldn't have to format his hard drive. Um, that's a bit of a faff. And then I was like, I wonder if there's any way I can get back PT. Mm-hmm. There must be. People will be like, people really want that game and PlayStations went for loads of money. They don't anymore. If you've got it and you're thinking of selling it, it's not that worth it. You can buy a PlayStation with it on it for about 200 quid. It's not worth selling Especially because of this workaround, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. And the catch is, this workaround, which will allow you to download PT, you have to have bought it from the store when it was available. Sure. So if, if it's on your account... you've never downloaded PT, you're out of You luck. won't be able to get this. But yeah, if, if it's on your account, if you got the digital yeah, receipt for it's it... It's in your library. Yeah. So basically, the way it works is there is a, a method that you can use which allows you to use your PC as a proxy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you connect to your PC, uh, as a, not as an internet connection, but you connect to it. Sure. And for some reason, doing this allows you to download PT. You just go into your library, you start the download, and it starts to download. Are you tricking it into thinking that your your PC is the PlayStation Store or something, and then no, you're because getting the file? Or? I, no, because... Is it, is it actually still downloading it? It's still downloading it, as far as I can tell, from uh, Sony's uh-huh. servers. Yeah, that's bizarre. Because there's... N- I mean, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but I know enough about computers to know that at no point in the process 
does it seem like you're downloading it from a different yeah. server? Yeah. So you never the, point your PC to, or your PlayStation to anything. And I mean, there's a few websites that have um, printed full full um, descriptions on how to yeah. do this, so we can post a link in the the blog. But to, I mean, the fact that it's worked for you, yeah. is a good indication. And it plays, and it's there, and it's just as PT as it was before. To my knowledge, the I read up on this a little bit when it, when the the methods start first started coming up because when PT was first taken off the store, people were desperate to try and get it back because they deleted it, thinking, "Oh, I can just re-download it," mm. and that's now no longer possible. Um, the the reason that I heard, and this might not be correct because obviously this is just all theory, is that it is easier for Sony to keep the file in there and just remove any traces of it from the PlayStation Store mm-hmm. rather than delete the file itself from the servers. Yeah, um, because that would involve lots of like arsing about the servers and all that kind of thing. So they'd rather just wipe all the links from the store. Whatever this method you're doing, it's somehow tricking your PlayStation into somehow fetching the link so and then downloading the file that still exists. Right. It's, like the, it's like the files are there, but they're delisted or something. Exactly, yeah. yes. It's yeah. like some kind of dev workaround. Yeah. But Konami must be raging. Yeah, I, I actually don't yeah. think they care. I don't think. I think if they cared, they'd have had it completely scrubbed. I don't know if they could. I, I mean, completely it. scrubbed. What do you mean? Like, actually like remove it, would be, it from yeah, people's... Yeah, remove it. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's got to be like um, policies in place to stop them, people from certain. being able yeah. to do that. Because if, if if you think about it, if Sony allowed that for one yeah. thing, even if it's a free playable demo, yeah. like they could start doing that for games that people yeah. paid. This, this like thing, consumers would lose their yeah. shit. This thing has been like this workaround has been around now for months. Mm. It's not it's because usually if people cared, particularly Sony, mm. who were engaged in a lengthy years long battle with modders and such over the PSP, yeah. you know, it was always a and the ps3 about the linux yeah. uh, engine right or the linux yeah, so the, right. the modders would take one step sony would catch up the modders would do it again sony would catch up but there's been no tug of war here they haven't gone well they found a workaround we'll fix it yeah they've just left it i don't think konami care as long as it's not and the thing is here's the thing this isn't available to anybody you have to have had pt installed on your playstation at some point yeah so that's going to be a, that amount of pt out there yeah it's not worth their effort. To they must try be able to it. to know that people are doing it. I'll tell you what, though. Talking yeah. about Konami, I did watch the uh, the Pachinko. Um, it's the it's got the hard pressing to watch. It's so depressing. To watch. For the, MGS. Well, yeah, for it was it was the when he's being chased by the Shagahod yeah. in on the motorbike. The CG is so good looking. It it's gorgeous, amazing. but like the the lip syncing is terrible. Like oh, yeah. the the actual emotion and stuff in the characters is crap. Like yeah. they've just been like, oh, we've got this engine. It's incredible. Let's just like put the models in and have our animators do something. It's not there's, that far. I don't off, think like, there's any mocap. Yeah. Um. There's probably not any. Um, any lip syncing or anything no but it's a novelty isn't it that's it's kind a novelty of what, that's well, the I mean, standard pe- for people that are playing pachinko machines, are probably not going to be paying that much attention no. but the, just to see the the quality of the characters yeah. in, in the fox engine and seeing what could have been is quite depressing and seeing it used yeah. for something it's, like, it's so... used for like cheap gambling machines yeah. shit it's, it's cheap the... gambling machines and pro evolution soccer it felt like, like the Pro-Evolution final soccer. insult for Metal Gear Solid until the Metal Gear Solid survive announced trailer see, I think which is... I would rather survive existing in the pachinko machines mm. to be honest because at least survive feels like half a game i'll be honest see if survive didn't have metal gear uh characters in it yeah or well, at least the, the theme of metal gear or the metal gear okay. world i'd probably try it out yeah, <laughs> the funny thing about survive though is konami did all this stuff they're like well we're not interested in game development anymore we're more interested in gambling so they're they're like uh trying not to be libelous so they're they're making it difficult for certain employees to do their job. Hmm. 
you know, the atmosphere is reportedly, allegedly, I'm not going to say it is because I don't know, mm-hmm. um, not great at Konami. Yeah. They're doing all that and they're burning all these bridges for them to then go, oh, we're still releasing these games. Wh- where are they coming from? And I don't understand it. I would Pissed not off, be surprised then. if Survive turns out to be much like Let It Die, um, an F2P game riddled with microtransactions. I would not be surprised whatsoever. It definitely After is... Metal Gear Solid 5, I, I wouldn't put it past yeah. them. No. Like, it's I definitely think they've reusing... made a lot of money from the Metal Gear Online yeah. stuff. Yeah, It's definitely reusing as many assets as possible. Mm. It looks like it's just using... It's just using MGS5 stuff, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's still funny. They still want to be... They, they say they're doing one thing... And saying one thing, uh, they're like, we don't want to be in the game market anymore. We want to step back. But at the same time, they still obviously want to be in the game market and they still want the money. Well, because Metal Gear made them a lot of money. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I mean, their shareholders are going to be like, why did you, why like, did you pull out? Why did you pull out the so game market? So you think market it was maybe going it? back on their words once they realized how much money Metal Gear Solid made? I honestly don't know. Didn't, wasn't 5 the best selling title in the series? I'm pretty sure it was. That would be. That would be depressing. so sad, though. Yeah. Be, it's, I mean, it's. I mean, I, I suppose there's got to be an equivalent return on however much you put into marketing it. Yeah. That, that seems to be the case with um, 15 as well. But it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it, it means it's a better game. No, and also, not. you put all your uh, money into promoting a title that's not polished, it's not finished, it's not great, then it damages people you in the long that. Run. Definitely, yeah. yeah. People that pick up that title, they're like, well, you advertised this or you told me I was going to get this and it's not that. They're just going to like leave the brand, and yeah. so many people have done that. I mean, partly because of the controversy in this case with yeah. Kojima, but largely because Metal Gear is just a terrible game. Like Metal I mean, Gear Metal Solid Gear 5, Five. Yeah, the, the the rest of the series is great. It's the the thing is, for years, and I still do, would hold Metal Gear Solid as a series up as being one of the greatest series in gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's like just I love it so much, and just to see that be the final the, to me the final entry in the series that it's just it's heartbreaking to see that it get treated in such a way it's like if um oh i don't know i can't even think of an equivalent <laughs> it's okay of, we did this last week and we yeah. all sounded really sad after we talked about yeah. Metal Gear. and we've, we've always said uh, we said it in fuck video games every time it's like that's the last time we'll talk about this yeah <laughs> this won't uh, be the last time was... we talk about Metal Gear Solid 5 hopefully um but maybe it won't be the last time but hopefully we'll stop mentioning it incidentally yeah yeah everything comes back to Metal Gear Solid 5 but it um, really does it's such a a massive uh, impact it's just a pretty big in at least my it was sorry I'll let you go on for me in gaming that's a pretty big cultural event Mm. like it was the first time that people realised like a game that big could fail so badly I think like in the modern age of video games like a game that big could just because, like, obviously big games have failed before, but, like... Um, so it's the Atari E.T. of 2015. No, no, not even that, but, like, a game series so prestigious and high quality right. as Metal Gear Solid, and nobody ever thought at any point... You mean that, we never thought, ever. <laughs> no, even, like, the, the gaming community at yeah, large... it was a sure thought, thing. Like, all, there'll never be a bad Metal Gear... There'll always be, like, middling... Metal Gear Solid. Because there have been bad Metal Gear Solids before. There was Metal Gear Solid um, Portable Ops, which is a bad Metal Gear game. It's not a bad game. No, it's a fine game and Acid and all that kind of thing as well. But like everybody always was like, oh, there'll never be a properly bad one. And then 5 came in and everybody was like, oh. (laughs) Oh. Oh, right. Um, And that's like been the first big high profile failure of this. It was like a slow motion punch to the gut yeah. playing that game it was like it was like a punch to the gut which 
I didn't even realize for the first couple of weeks that I was being punched in the gut. And then I really got to the meat of the game and you could just sort of go, oh, actually, do you know what it's like? It's like you're halfway through a meal and you realize it's a bit bad and you realize you're <laughs> yeah. going to be really sick later on. <laughs> yeah. And you really kind of enjoyed the first like few bites of that meal. You're like, this is some good food, but oh, this is kind of... Oh, this is it turning my stomach off. a bit. Yeah. I had a pancake like that this week. Yeah. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 5, it's like a really bad pancake that you kind of enjoyed at the beginning. No, <laughs> this syrup will make it taste better. Uh, yeah, let's finish talking about Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah. Kill myself. What yeah, you guys got? sound really depressed now. What else yeah. we got? What else we got? Uh, Ashley wants to talk about Disney Infinity. Oh, yeah. Disney Infinity. Which none of, you, none of you guys play it, do you? No. Is, um, is it called Disney Infinity because it doesn't last for infinity? Because uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, it's like a really me... bad Scottish math joke. Now Sorry. you make me sad. <laughs> Mere like no. Disney Infinity. Oh, <laughs> I see. I see many Disney Infinity figures on the shelf in this room. Yes. They are really, really nice figures. There are quite a lot. Yeah, of them. I didn't know Deadpool had a Disney Infinity card. Oh yeah, they just you know they threw him in last minute because who doesn't love a bit of Deadpool? Kids love Deadpool. He's no. amazing. It's, it's so weird. He's a Ashley has a, a very elaborate figure shelf. I do. Uh, I have a very eclectic collection of crap um, in the house. But yeah, Disney Infinity. Uh, obviously, what? How? How? How many months ago now? Uh, Disney announced that they were finishing up. They'd done with any foray into games. Uh, At after, least on an internal level. In an internal level, yes, uh, they are going to punt out the licenses for things to other companies. Hence Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Yes. Um, but, yeah, they were they were great games. I came to them late. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came to them in Disney 3.0. Disney Infinity 3.0. Um, but, yeah, they, they announced that they were going to stop doing them. Everybody was sad. Uh, they cancelled a few things they already had planned for it. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of thought that that was going to be the end of it. They stopped supporting it. They stopped making figures. Done. And then yesterday or today, uh, they released it on Steam. And they released the Gold Edition. So you no longer need to buy all the peripheral peripheral bits and bobs. You don't need to shell out for £15 figures. Everything's unlocked. The whole game. That's really nice. Everything's available. Uh, I think for... Disney Infinity 1 or 2 or 3 if you just want one in particular um, I think it's about £22 or if you're feeling flush uh, for £45 you can get the gold edition of all three games that's like 45 that's for each game? Or? no no 45 for all three of them the Disney Infinity bundle gold edition Disney 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 every every character's unlocked every playset's unlocked the whole content of the game is there and it's available for you. That's a decent chunk of content. And you can play it. It's, it's huge. I mean, uh, obviously the main difference in 1, 2 and 3 was it was it was content. They, they added a few extra bells and whistles as they got a little better. Mm-hmm. But they all just focused on a different uh, aspect of Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so your 3.0 was your newest one. Obviously the big push for that was Star Wars. Uh, 2.0, the biggest push they had for that was Marvel, the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, it was it was all the Marvel stuff. Um, so I'm just checking your blog. It was actually on the 10th of May that Disney announced uh, that they'd be shutting down yep. uh, Avalanche Software. It was it was very, very recently, yeah. This year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew it was this year, but I, I, I couldn't exactly remember how many... I did check Azarin first, but I didn't publish a date on my article, so... Yeah. <laughs> what interests me is that they announced that in May, and Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite just got announced the other week there. How long have these been discussions with Capcom been going on for? 
was I, what yeah, I would be interested I'd, in. I'd imagine a while. I mean, there's no way they punted it out. To they didn't, there's no way they had chats and punted out to the point of an announcement that quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's it it really comes back to like how long have they been seeing Disney Infinity as something that they had to cut off at some point. I think that 3.0 was the last stand. I think they knew before they brought Disney Infinity 3.0 out that they were going to have to cut their losses. Yeah. Because 1.0 did really well. Everybody bought into it because it was a Disney franchise. Kids went mental for it the same way that they did for things like Skylander because there I know were that, um, figures and there was fun stuff. I know that um, Disney made a big deal of it marketing it internally to retailers. Yes. Like one of our friends who used to work in retail um, had well, obviously I can't really say anything about why, what they'd said but like they made mm. a really big deal of it at the time um, and I think it, it did have like a big kind of push for sales at some yeah. point um, but they, I think it would be just flagged off they kind of felt like it was their it was their next big push like mm-hmm. Disney does fantastically for merchandise and for film obviously yeah. they, they do great they get a lot of sales from books that they've either they have to go with the films or rather than make sequels to some of their films they just made books to push out to kids and then I think they saw gaming as the next place for them to make their mark Mm -hmm. and I mean it did a lot of people a lot of people really loved Disney Infinity Mm -hmm. but the problem with it was I think that when they initially brought them out you needed to spend so much extra money Mm -hmm. To get the most out of the game. Like, yeah. you could buy the standalone and it came... You would buy it and it came with a game. You got your little game so, pad thing to put the, the figures on. And depending on what set you bought, you maybe got one or two toys to go with it. Um, and that was great. It meant does, you could play whatever the base set was. Does each toy come with a level or something? Or, like, content for the game? I don't Because uh, I don't really know a lot how, like, Skylanders or Disney Infinity work. I know... How Lego Dimensions works because mm-hmm. I'm a big Lego fan. Yeah. Does it work similar to that? Uh, kind of. I mean, the so with Disney Infinity, you have a massive range of figures. Yeah. And each figure doesn't actually come with a level. Each figure comes with if you buy the figure, you could unlock that character and to play, play in the in, game. Okay. And it didn't matter. You didn't have to play them in their own game. You so like you could, uh, you could play Wreck It Ralph in somebody else's world it didn't have to be his own and yoda could go and hang out with uh the inside out crew and that kind of stuff um the only thing that you got from each individual character was their the fact that they were unlocked um so obviously it's a sandbox style game so you had a whole other area that they called the play box where you could kind of build your own world and they all came with their own weapon and their own outfit and their own little powers that they could have and there was an element of designing your own like levels and all that kind of thing. I think they added yeah. that one later, like you could get cart racing and all that. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing, they added uh, they added mini games, um, and the mini games came through rather than characters. Uh, the levels and the mini games came through playsets. Yeah. So there's a central. You'd have your figures, and then there was just like a central. They kind of they tried to make them look like cool, like they were made out of glass or like or whatever and it uh, was something that related to the universe so like I, I have the Inside Out one and uh, I don't know if any of you guys have seen the film No, no. Um, but the, the central piece for the Inside Out playset is um, their central 
control that they have in, oh, in, they live in, in, like in the film. Person, don't they? Yeah. Oh, right. Um, so it's 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 something like that. Like I don't even. I, I only have a couple of the playsets. An, an example would figures. be like for Beauty and the Beast. It would be the the rose and the yeah the, the thing. yeah. It was yeah. it was something that was a central theme. Yeah. To the franchise, it was easily recognizable. It, it was cute. Um, and that's where your actual levels came from. That was where the right. the franchise specific levels came from. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to play in the world of Inside Out, you had to have this playset piece for Inside Out. Here's an interesting question. Um, now, obviously, I know I know that the the game is backward compatible. At least three was right mm-hmm. to uh, I think for everything. There are obviously like playset pieces were introduced in newer versions of the game. Right, and thinking that. How does that work with older toys? Like obviously the Monsters Inc. ones were the first couple released. Do they have playsets? Did they really get released later in the line, or do they just not have playset pieces at all? Uh, yeah, some of them don't have playset pieces. I see. Um, right. Some of them can't. Some of them will never be able to play in their own worlds or the franchises that they oh. exist in. Oh. Some of them are just there so that you can play with them in the playbox, and that you can oh. play with them. If that's your say, that's your favorite character, and you're yeah. really wanting to play with them. Obviously, Disney, they don't want to leave kids without the ability to identify with their favorite. favorite yeah. To play as their favorite, because the biggest pull that you, I mean, the biggest pull that they got for buying it was the you figures. Like that's why kids wanted yeah. it. Like, oh, I can play as my favorite, and I can but have that, and I can have this. Even when you've got that, the bottom line still comes into play, doesn't it? Like, oh, like I mean, you could you could go and buy a Mickey Mouse figure, but the bottom line is what makes more money: Star Wars at this point yeah. in time so of course Star Wars is going to have more of the financial sort of focus so that's going to get more figures it's going to get the playset pieces yeah. Mickey Mouse will get like one figure on his yeah. own somewhere that's, else, that is, I mean that's pretty much what happened with 3.0 there are mm-hmm. four different playsets for Star Wars oh. um, they took the they just basically took the movie titles so mm. um, and made playsets out of them I think it's really great that Disney brings out these feature length adverts to support their toy industry. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it ended up being. I mean, like, 1.0 did really well because at the time, I, th- I think Skylanders was already out, or it was... Skylanders had to reach its second or third iteration, I believe, and Amiibo was so, almost out. So people weren't sick of it yet. It was still a novelty. It was Disney's first venture into games. Yeah. People really wanted it. They wanted to see what it was about. They loved it. 2.0 still had a reasonable following because obviously it came out when the avengers was huge and it came out with marvel and all the kids wanted it mm-hmm. and then 3.0 using star wars was the last ditch attempt because between 2.0 and 3.0 coming out i'm pretty sure that the sales of the additional playsets declined i, I think mm. people had by this point cottoned on to the fact that i may be playing i may be paying 30 pound for a base set for a game but if my kid wants to play it i need to shell out I mean, some of the figures are £15 a time just for the toy. At that's least, not a playset. That's not. The game's worth, yeah. it's, it's not a special like level you're going to get. It's literally just the figure so that you can play them that in the character. game. Is, that, is that they have really nice the items, though. Like, even they if these weren't cool. games, the ones that were on your shelf, they look really nice. Particularly are, the, the, what are they called, Inside Out. Yeah. They look really, really nice. Good. I mean, yeah. don't get They're me really wrong. Nicely in, animated. in terms of out with the facts, like, I do have a slight bugbear with them just being extra parts or with the fact that you had to buy them to play them in the game that did bug me but that aside in terms of figure quality they are great for the price that you paid Mm. like they're they're good figures if if you're someone that doesn't you really like disney 
Yeah. You're not really into games or you don't want to go through the hassle or the expense of buying uh, the games and buying the extras that comes with it because you need the ports and yeah. everything if you're doing it on console. Does, does um, they know what they're, they're doing? They're good figures. I've should... very almost gotten to Lego Dimensions. That's as, as somebody who likes to collect minifigs, yeah. Lego Dimensions are just minifigs that are these things that, like yeah. Amiibo or, or infinite it, toys. It really G- games to Life or Toys to Life. Yeah. That Lego Dimensions seems to have, seems to still be doing Do you know really why well because it's is so doing really well. expensive. Yeah. Like, but Lego could. The thing is, Lego Dimensions. That's the reason. The reason why I almost got into it. That's probably keeping it alive because there's so many people who are adults who will collect minifigs mm. and Lego. But there are people who specifically collect minifigs who will be buying these minifigs because they are just minifigs. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not little toys that look yeah. like minifigs. No. They are the minifigs yeah. of a lot of. You can use them with your own collection of Lego. Yeah. Or, yeah. A lot, like, the thing is, the funny thing about LEGO Dimensions is they have a very broad access to a lot of different IPs. Like, they've got Lord of the Rings, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Sonic. Portal, Sonic? Sonic, yeah. And there's Sonic. a Red Dwarf level in one yeah. of the new ones as well. What? No way. I swear to God. Like, so, they've not got Red Dwarf minifigs, but there is a Red Dwarf level in it. So, <laughs> that that almost brought me in, and I wasn't interested in playing the game at all. I wanted to buy it and discard the game almost. I'd had it, I'd have it and play it maybe a couple of times. I wanted the minifigs. minifigs. So, that's probably why that is... It, it's the same, like... Um, how Nintendo have removed themselves from competing with Sony and Xbox. They do, yeah. but not directly. So I don't think LEGO Dimensions really has to worry about competing with Skylanders yeah. because they know that there's these adult fans of LEGO, which is the term that they like. They call themselves that. It's AFOL is the anac- uh, <laughs> acronym that they use. Um, they'll go and buy that for the minifigs and keep that alive. And I almost did it too, but I didn't. I, yeah, it was like 100 I... quid for the base set for yes. LEGO Dimensions. Oh. It's too steep for me. That's that's it's a like, collector's edition yeah. price. It's range. really nice though. You build it. It's yeah. a Lego kit that you build, and it oh. becomes the platform that you put people yeah. on. Yeah, so, it's 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 cool. It's a yeah. cool concept. But it was do you think they're riding off the expensive. the renewed interest based on Minecraft? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't say that the renewed interest in Lego was due to Minecraft, um, because I think that can't can't be hurting though, right? No, it wouldn't be hurting. New generation. Lego have done a lot of things recently, for better or for worse. They've changed a lot of their business things and because lego was suffering for a while mm. and it's um mostly it's their ips but it's the tapping into ips of other mm. people's thing is what's brought them back like doing a lot more lego star wars is the this was like in the 90s where they had the big resurgence and, Rock came Raiders and, Bionicle and stuff like that. no that, that was those were their own ips yeah, we're talking sorry, about yeah. specifically licensing other people's intellectual oh, property and releasing sets okay. um but actually as a, a long-term long time fan of Lego I've got a lot of gripes with it I can... okay. here's, here's an interesting thing just to close this off um, we're talking about all these ga- games to life is that what they're called? yeah games to life I think so we're talking about a lot of these th- kind of things what are the two you only see in shops anymore? Lego Dimensions and the other one Liam mentioned this Skylanders no no not even no. Skylanders Amiibo oh Amiibo Amiibo yeah. because Amiibo... Nintendo removed themselves from the market with the other ones the thing about Amiibo is it's not tied to one game, is it? No, it's, it's no. completely incompatible with you everything can, Nintendo do. You can uh, use it in, yeah. yeah. They've they've pushed to start bringing out updates for games and titles they already have. Yeah. No, so absolutely. you can use them on a wider scale, which I guess makes it more sellable. Like people question. are more interested in them. Amiibo have sort of, I don't know what the term is, it's like a manufactured scarcity. Mm. So mm. Nintendo, Nintendo tend to do that with a lot of things. Yeah, yes. deliberately released the below demand to increase demand. Or yeah. Yes. yeah. 
Skylanders obviously doesn't do it because Skylanders, if you wait a while, you can get them in the bargain bins mm. for nothing. Skylanders is for kids. Amiibo is not. Disney Infinity, did they do the same thing, or is it no. generally quite available? Um, it's widely available. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you, you had. I mean, you don't get me wrong. You had initial. It was maybe initially quite hard to get. Like when Star Wars came out, it was quite hard yeah. to get the FX Vader when it first came out. Okay. But, but they do re release it. Was, it was literally, it wasn't that they held off for months and then. It was a genuine them. sort of scarcity. It was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was genuine. They, they only punted out so many to the stores yeah. because they had no idea how it was going to do at that point. Whereas Nintendo was, was calculated to be that. There way. Was like, I mean, yeah. I can guarantee you when that Cloud Amiibo comes out, that will be impossible to get. Cloud and Bayonetta will be impossible to get for You're going to have to make friends with people in game stores. Yeah. I was hoping it'd be out when we were in Japan. Or you have to so do um, somebody we know and just show up at 6am to Smith's and... Oh my god. <laughs> and, I don't know, beg for it. No, ma- no names mentioned, of course. He knows who he is. Yeah. We Six judge you. in the morning, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that, that amiibo. That's a real story. Did he get it? Yeah, he got yeah, him. Yeah, he got him, he got him. Big fan of amiibo. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I like them. Like, I, ha- I have they a few. They are nice. Not 6 a.m. I'm not. Like, I don't yeah, think I'm not going nice. to the toy shop at 6 in the morning to beg for them. I don't think they're as nice as the Disney Infinity ones, either. No, they're not. I, I don't think they are, either. Uh, I think that, like, it, it really shows that Disney have taken the time and care. Like, they they love their characters. The like, thing I really love about the Disney they Infinity so much into it. models is they all look like they were designed by the one person. Yeah. They all, they all follow yeah, specific, specific design yeah. ethic, yeah. They're nice. They're they nice are... Though. I, I like the hyper-stylized uh, Avengers um, figures that came out. It's, they're really cool. Like big, chunky uh, Iron Man Hulkbuster. They're, they're yeah. not just toys. They're pleasing to look at. Like, they are. Yeah, yeah they're, they're nice. Yeah. They're nice display pieces. Right, should we finish up there? Yeah, uh, I think, yeah. should we do a poorly remembered game quote? I have yeah. one. You have one? Um, I, I, there was one I mentioned earlier, but considering we mentioned Dave's Odyssey, I don't think I can use it. No. Um, and we can never use it again now. This <laughs> one is this one is half of a game quote. Oh. Um, half? It's, why must you always muck in my mud? Why must you always muck in my mud? I know, I know that one. I know it as well. Yeah. Right. We shall well, see. if you uh, if you've been paying attention, if you think you know the the answer to that one, then uh, let us know on Twitter or uh, reply to this uh, podcast wherever you're listening to it on the site or on SoundCloud. Drop us an email. There's a contact form on azarin.com, or you can get in touch with any one of us via Twitter. Um, oh, our handles are posted. Back. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. I've done it before. I've seen the Twitter. Don't, don't follow me on Twitter. He won't follow you back. I I might forget. I haven't logged into Twitter this year. Really? No, I have. Even Tom <laughs> logged in to uh, retweet the last. Yeah, post. I log in to retweet the podcast. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you and later, girls. Bye bye. Bye. bye.